Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 87th program in this series. In this program, I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and I'll begin in verse 17. In verse 17... Jesus told his disciples, he's having a conversation with his disciples, and he says, These things I command you, that you love one another. And of course, he has already had a lot to say, which I have explained in the previous programs, and that this is repetition for what he has told them. But in preparation for the remainder of John chapter 15, I would like to mention That in verse 17, when he says, these things I command you, that you love one another, when he says it here in preparation for verse 18 and the following verses, there is something else that can be understood from what he says. Because he's about to tell the disciples that everybody's going to hate them, that they're just simply not going to like them. And so in preparation for what Jesus is about to say. Verse 17 can be understood as Jesus telling his disciples, listen, nobody is going to like you. You are not going to be welcomed by people. They are not going to be interested in what you have to say. The world as you know it is going to hate you. And so it's probably a good idea to stick together And love one another, because nobody else will. That's another way that you can appreciate and understand what he says here. I do believe that it is also repetition of what he has said previously. But in preparation for what he's about to say, this is something that his disciples should really keep in mind. That they are together, and they are on their own. And that this is something special that they can have with one another. They can love each other with the love that God has given to them. And this is an important part of having an assembly of believers, a fellowship of other believers. Because it's only in the presence of other believers that there can be this kind of an exchange, that this fruit of the Spirit can be manifested, that the love of God can be shared among people. It can only be shared among people who know the love of God. And so when Jesus mentions this again, that they are to love one another, but in this context, I really see that he is telling them that they should stick together and that they should love each other and be a part of each other's lives because What's coming next is not going to look so good for them. The whole world is going to be against them for the most part. Now, what he says in these following verses 
is specifically for the disciples, for what they are about to encounter. Now, of course, many of the things that Jesus says can be applicable in our own lives and that there is a lot that we can learn and appreciate from what he told them because we will experience a lot of relationships with other people who are going to relate to us in a negative way because of our faith, because of what we believe. So I will spend some time talking about that so that you can appreciate this from your own point of view, from the time and the age in which you are living in. But the first thing that we need to pay attention to, of course, is the fact that Jesus is speaking to his disciples about what is about to happen to them. Continuing into John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father... He will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So he tells the disciples that the people around them, which are the people of the world, that's their world, that's the world that they know, that they understand. They're very well isolated from the rest of the world. The people who Jesus spoke to have been confronted with the truth, and they didn't like it. That's what he means when he tells them that if he had not confronted them, then they would have no sin. But now the truth has been revealed. Everybody understands the truth, and so this is the way that things are now. Everyone is truly responsible for their own sin. And today, people are all still responsible for their own sin, even though Jesus has not specifically confronted them. They have been confronted enough by the Holy Spirit of God and by the evidence that God has provided people with. People have been confronted with enough. But here, he is stating that he specifically came to the children of Israel at this time in history and to the religious leaders at this time in history, and he told them enough that they are fully responsible for all of their sin in accordance with the Old Covenant. 
Their sin has been exposed, and they don't like it, so they didn't like Jesus. Well, they're definitely not going to like the disciples either, because the disciples will be the continued representatives of Jesus. And so their presence, just the presence alone of the disciples, will be enough for these people to hate them. Because they remember Jesus, they know what he said, they know the truth, they know that the truth has been exposed. But here are Jesus' representatives who are going to keep this alive, who are going to keep this exposed. The people are not going to be able to hide in the presence of the disciples, and so they are clearly going to hate the disciples. Now remember back in John chapter 11, the religious leaders explained why they wanted Jesus to be dead. They explained that. They explained that it had to do with their job security. John chapter 11, verse 48, they said that they were concerned that they would lose their place. That's their job security. They were concerned about their political security, that the Romans would come and take away their nation. And then continuing into verse 50, John chapter 11, verse 50, they wanted to be the savior of the people. They felt that if they would participate in the murder of Jesus, then they would save the people. They would save the nation. And so from their point of view, at least according to verse 50, they felt that what they were doing was the right thing to do. It wasn't just about absolute hatred or about their concern that they were going to lose their job. It wasn't just about fear. It was also about them wanting to do what they thought was right. It definitely wasn't. But this is what the disciples are going to be faced with, that the religious leaders are going to see the disciples as potentially putting them at risk for the same things that Jesus put them at risk for, that these could very well be concerns. Now, Jesus, again, he's speaking to the disciples. Today, it is unlikely that you are going to encounter people who are going to be concerned about political consequences because you believe in Jesus. That's unlikely that you will ever encounter that. And it's unlikely that you will ever encounter some leader of some kind who will believe that if they murder you, that they will be the savior of your community because you are putting everybody at risk and that that is just simply the right thing to do. It's unlikely that you will ever encounter that. On the other hand, the idea of job security is definitely something that you probably will encounter. Because if you proclaim things, if you talk about things that are contrary to what other religious leaders believe or teach, well, you could be putting them at risk because there are some people who are giving them money who might decide to stop giving them money because you showed them the way of God a little more accurately. You may show people that what they are believing isn't true. And if they agree with you, if they repent and they believe the truth that you have revealed to them, and this is contrary to what their religious leaders are teaching them, well, there could be some serious financial risk 
for the religious leaders. And so job security is a real issue today. Absolutely. And if you participate in a congregation of people who do not believe in the gospel in the same way that you believe the gospel, who believe more in the old covenant than in the new, and they may not know the new covenant well at all, who believe that the relationship with God is about repent and obey the commandments of God and he will bless you instead of resting in what he has done in terms of his forgiveness and be the recipient of the inheritance that has been given to you according to the will of God as a result of his death and now live with the inheritance that you have. Those are two completely different ways of life entirely. And you will find that a lot of people will hate you. They will. Just because you believe things that are different from what they believe. So there is a lot of opportunity for you to be persecuted today. But going back to what Jesus was telling the disciples back then, go back to verse 18, John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Just know that. That the world hated me before they hated you. Don't take it so personally. Just understand that you're just not alone. That they hated me. So, if they hate you, don't consider yourself to be anybody special. Consider yourself to just be normal amongst me and my people. Into verse 19, he said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now remember, the world that he's talking about is the religious world there in Israel. That's the world that he took them out of by default through the new covenant. Now, if you read ahead into the book of Acts, you will see that the disciples still hung around the temple and hung around the religious people for quite a while. There was a period of transition in the lives of the disciples, but Jesus still distinguishes them from everyone else. And he refers to everyone else there in the land of Israel as the people of the world. In this context, they are definitely not going to like the disciples, not for very long, because the disciples are going to be confronted with the new covenant and with a new way of life. And so the world is not going to love them because they don't participate in the same things. And because of their existence and their testimony through the life that they do live, they are going to be, the disciples, are going to be condemning the people in the world, in this case, the religious world, because they are going to expose that those in the religious world are still not perfect like the law requires them to be, and they do not know the Lord as the disciples know the Lord, And they are not growing and maturing in the faith as the disciples are. They are not going to be living in the same way. And so the disciples will not be of the world. They will be to some extent for a period of time. We can see that in the book of Acts. But this will dissipate over time. Again in verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, 
Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is repetition from verse 18. Repetition in the sense that, look, you're not going to be anybody special in comparison with me. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So remember that. And don't take it personally. Just understand that this is just part of the way things are now. And the persecution that the disciples experienced was from the religious leaders there in the land of Israel. This is what Jesus was referring to. And this was fulfilled. Continuing into verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. In other words, they will do these things for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his name, for the sake of all the problems that he caused, now you are going to get more of the feedback from what happened. And the reason why they're going to do that is because they don't know Jesus. They don't know the Father. They don't know the living God. If they did, then they wouldn't hate you. They wouldn't be so mean to you. They wouldn't persecute you. But this is a way of understanding that they simply do not know God. It becomes self-evident by the way that they relate to you. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Now, one way to look at this is to say that Jesus explained the way of God more accurately to them. That is one way to understand that. Another way to understand this is that they are about to commit sin. The leadership, the people there are about to commit sin against the disciples. And they will have no excuse because Jesus has already told them the truth. So if the disciples are believing the truth and these people are hating or persecuting the disciples, they don't have any excuse for that sin. They don't have any excuse for that sin at all. So just as they have no excuse for the sins before Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also they will have no excuse for the sins after Jesus has died and rose from the dead because Jesus was direct with them. He was clear with them. He explained enough to them. They were confronted with the truth and they rejected the truth. So they've got no excuse for what they are about to do in addition to what They have already done. Verse 23. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. Again, Jesus is referring to the time period when he was conducting his ministry. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. In this case, in verses 24 and 25, Jesus says that there is some prophetic fulfillment, that the word might be fulfilled. But it was still their choice. It was still their decision. If it wasn't these people, it would have been others. This was going to happen. It was going to be fulfilled. And Jesus is telling his disciples, look, This was proclaimed long ago. There's nothing new going on here. This was known. This was understood. 
Don't be surprised. Don't feel unique. This was written in their law, written in the prophets long before. And so just consider this to be the fulfillment of what God said was going to happen. Continuing into verse 26, Jesus repeats the giving of the Holy Spirit. But when the Helper comes, and the Helper was referred to by Jesus previously in his conversation with them, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit will come and testify of God, and they also will bear witness. There's going to be some more, a lot more, a lot more testimony, a lot more evangelism. There's going to be a lot more going on. And so Jesus is telling his disciples to prepare themselves for what is going to be happening, that there's going to be more exposure, more revelation of the truth, and they are going to be a part of this. Now, we will experience persecution in the world also, and the reasons can be similar, but they still are different enough that we can say that Jesus was not speaking directly to us here at the end of John chapter 15. But what he says is certainly applicable in our lives today. Today, for example, you will encounter people who will hate you just because you're a Christian, just because you believe in Jesus. Why? What's the big deal? Well, it turns out that there are people who have perhaps been religiously abused by others in the name of Jesus, and they just have decided that they are going to hate anyone who is associated with Jesus. There are other people who will hate you not necessarily because they have any real deep conviction about hating the things that Jesus revealed. Instead, they're just kind of part of a team. They're part of a collective. They're part of a culture. They're part of a group of people who hate Christians. And so in order to be liked by these people, in order to be a part of the team, in order to have a sense of community, to be a part of this community, they're going to hate you too. And they may not have any specific convictions about it. It's just you're someone who they can hate. And you know, for a lot of people, they really do need someone to hate. And you might wonder, well, where would that come from? Well, that comes from pride. People have an enormous amount of pride. And this is one of the ways that it is manifested. By comparing themselves with someone else, someone else who they can say is bad, someone else who they can say is evil, who is wrong, who is deceived, who is whatever. It doesn't matter whatever it is, just as long as they can say it's negative and they can hate you. They need somebody to hate so that they can compare themselves with you who they hate and say that they are a better person. They are a good person. The phrase that I often use to describe this is to say that they will step on you in order to elevate themselves. And you will find that a lot of these people who are like this, 
they really don't have many qualities or maybe any qualities at all that would redeem them in any context to say that they are a good person at all anyway. They may not contribute anything to the world, anything to society at all. They may have nothing genuine to give of themselves. They might very well be just one big lie, one big fraud. And the only way that they can esteem any sense of value for themselves is to just find someone else to put down, find someone else to hate. There are a lot of people like this, and a person who believes in Jesus is a good target for a person like this who is desperate to have something that would give them some sense of pride, of value, of purpose in their lives. And you will likely encounter people like this who will hate you just because you believe in Jesus in this day and age. And I will continue more with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 87th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was at the end of John chapter 15, verses 17 to 27. And in this section, Jesus continues the conversation that he is having with his disciples and expands on the conversation by telling them how other people are going to relate to them after he is gone. He has already spoken with the disciples about what he expects them to do, which is to continue to live in accordance with the Old Covenant. The New Covenant was about to go into effect, and so he also proclaimed to them that the Holy Spirit will be given to them. When the Holy Spirit is given to them, things are going to be different. The relationship between the disciples and their God is going to change. But in the midst of that, he wants them to also understand how other people are going to relate to them. And he explains to them that the people there in the land who were in the world that they knew, that they understood, those people, for the most part, they hated Jesus. And since they hated Jesus, the disciples should not be so surprised that these people are going to hate them also. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,